I think it would be really easy to undersell God's promises to Hagar and Ishmael as just kind of an offhanded, like afterthought. But it doesn't come off that way when I actually sit down and read the story. God blesses them both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I, of course, believe that the Messiah, the offspring, the blessing comes through the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And guess who that blessing is for? Everyone. All the nations. <laughs> like, that's to right. Abraham. Like, you will be blessed. Yeah. And From we'll be a, you comes a blessing to, to everyone. To all the nations. Yeah. Welcome to Faith Refresh where we take another look at the Bible passages, beliefs, and other church stuff you've probably heard a million times and find something fresh. Hello, welcome back to Faith Refresh. I'm Anson, along with Chaplain Justin. This is episode 16. We are back to a biblical story this week. If anything, I think this one actually kind of builds off our inaugural Faith Refresh episode. Yes. Do you remember what we talked about way back in episode one? I think it was Abraham and Isaac That's and right. the offering. And, yes. you know, it's kind of maybe uncomfortable. It was a little bit, yeah. But facing off with it, I think was good by the end of it. And I kind of feel like this episode is, uh, in some ways, the sequel mm-hmm. to that episode. Yeah. We're talking about Abraham and Isaac and some of the more extended relatives uh, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. that family with Hagar and Ishmael. Maybe sometimes the overlooked part of yeah, that I think story. So. There are a, a couple of issues that are surrounding this mm-hmm. story or that could color our interpretation or interest in this story. One is the conflict that's going on in the Middle East right now mm-hmm. between Palestine and Israel. Mm-hmm. Obviously a thing that's really big in the news. Of course, this is a conflict that is not new. Right, it goes back right. a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And this story about Hagar and Ishmael, in some ways, I feel like it's kind of almost like the origin story mm-hmm, to right. this conflict. Kind of the roots. Yes. Yeah. I think another lens that um, would definitely be present here is women in the Bible. Yes. Hagar and her story is definitely tragic. Pretty visceral. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You read about it and you put yourself in Hagar's Mm -hmm. shoes and you go, oh, this is awful. Yeah. It moves you. It really does. Women in the Bible and their relationship to Christianity is a huge issue. Yes. Yeah. I do think there is some nuance around that issue that we have to kind of peel back the layers from just a little bit. There are a lot of people, and I was actually reading some articles kind of in preparation Mm -hmm. for conversation today, who would say, in very absolute terms, Christianity is oppressive towards women. Yeah. Just systematically. Yeah, it itself. Yes, right. And this story with Hagar might Mm -hmm. be pointed to as, as evidence of that, among others. But I do think it's important to point out a few things. One, we can absolutely say, I'm not sure if anyone would disagree with this, Mm -hmm. maybe someone out there would, that Christianity has been used to oppress women. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Undoubtedly, Mm -hmm. that has occurred. I would say a second thing that probably most people would agree with is that there are examples of oppressed women in the Bible. Yes, yes. There are stories in the Bible about women who are oppressed. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it's followers of God doing the oppressing. Yes, yeah. Now, just because that's present in the Bible, crucially, does not necessarily mean that the Bible is endorsing that behavior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's something maybe we can get into a little bit more Mm -hmm. as we dissect uh, this story. Are there any other lenses you feel like we need to be aware of as we're looking at the story of Hagar and Ishmael? Yeah, you kind of mentioned it just now. How do we read scripture? Scripture does not affirm all it reports. It reports on this story it is not necessarily affirming everything in the story. 
teasing those things out, I think, is really important. Just because we see Hagar, in which we will, oppressed doesn't mean that God is giving a thumbs up to that oppression. Quite the opposite, as we'll, as we'll see. And another similar point is we can still come to Scripture looking for, okay, who are the good guys in the story that we're supposed to be like? Right. And so here we have Abraham and Sarah, really huge figures in the Bible. Father Abraham. <laughs> yeah, Father like, you know, This is pretty the guy. Big. Yeah. But then all of a sudden in this story, Abraham and Sarah, they're being bad guys. <laughs> right, yeah. That in and of itself, if we're not careful with how we look at stories in Scripture and we read them, the thing I would look for and, and want to see through this story is, God, what are you up to? Hmm. Whenever humanity finds itself, ourselves in a mess, or we've made a mess, or both, what are you doing with it? How yeah. are you redeeming it? And that's where I want to see, how does God intervene in this? Yeah. I almost feel like a, a visceral level of relief when I hear you say Abraham and Sarah are kind of being the bad guys mm-hmm. in this yep. story. I don't want to gloss over that. Like that might be something that might be new to you. Yes. The idea that they're the bad guys in the story. Because when you say that, I simultaneously feel like I've read the story of Hagar in like Genesis 16, and it does kind of feel like they're being the bad guys in the story, mm-hmm. but it's counterbalanced with, well, that's Abraham. Mm-hmm. He's the patriarch of the entire like right. Jewish faith and, mm-hmm. and by extension Christianity. Mm-hmm. And can I say he's the mm-hmm. bad guy? Yeah, that might be an idea that's very new to you. So I, I don't want to gloss mm-hmm. over the profundity mm-hmm. of that. And even culturally, how we do stories like hero stories, right. they might have a fault or they might have a challenge to overcome, they don't become villains. Right, yeah. Right. (laughs) So those categories are different. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Abraham and Sarah are heroes in the story. What's going on? It's like, well, Captain America was skinny, (laughs) you know, uh, but otherwise he was a really good guy. That was his fatal flaw, you know? Like, well, Abraham and Sarah's flaws run a little bit deeper than that, as we'll get into in the story. So the meat of Hagar's story, I would say, is in Genesis 16. Yes. So if you'd like to pause the podcast and go give that a read. You're more than welcome to do that. If you're familiar with the story and would like to continue, I'm wondering if maybe you can give us a little bit of context and background Mm -hmm. before we get into kind of Hagar's story specifically. What has brought us up to this Mm -hmm. point? If you could kind of give us a recap or the Cliff's Notes version. Yeah, I would say probably adding uh, Genesis 21. So 16 and 21 Mm -hmm. is almost two parts And it's interesting because there's a lot of other things going on, almost like the, quote, main character, Abraham and Sarah, are going through this journey where Abraham, in Genesis 12, is promised. God promises, hey, go to a land I'm showing you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing to all the nations. With that is blessing through an offspring, which Abraham and Sarah don't have. From that time, that promise, it will be... 25 years before Isaac Mm. is born. Those little details, of course, reading scripture, we just kind of blow past those things. (laughs) And it's like, oh, this is a story. It could have happened in a matter of hours. 25 (laughs) years passes when you're reading it. Yeah. Yeah. But in real life, that feels a lot longer. There's a lot that happens in those 25 (laughs) years, okay? God's promised land, nation, blessing through this offspring, which happens to be Isaac Mm. eventually. 
But when? Time is ticking. Right. We're getting older and older. And there's many like stumbles and lack of faith and doubting that you see in Abraham. Again, the father of the faith in a lot of ways, you know, father Abraham. Yet there's a lot of struggle actually in this story, which I find really comforting. There's a lot of like understanding or solidarity because I struggle and they're struggling with this big promise. And particularly with waiting. I mean, most of us can probably think of seasons of our lives where we've been Mm -hmm. waiting in hopefulness or anticipation for something. It makes me think of when I tell my kids something, if I don't put like a time Mm -hmm. span on the promise, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we can go visit grandma and grandpa sometime. And I mean like maybe in a month or two Mm -hmm. and they're like, so like before we go to bed or (laughs) immediate, totally. uh, And you know, maybe we grow out of that just a little bit, Mm -hmm. but maybe also not a lot. And then our internet, internet's just a tiny bit slow (laughs) and we're like, we can't deal. Just want to bang your keyboard (laughs) with your fist. Yeah. So 25 years of waiting is, you know, considerable. Yeah. So there's this incredible moment right before Hagar's story in Genesis. 16, which happens in Genesis 15. This is the moment where it's almost like Abraham's tossing and turning, and God calls him out of his bed, look up to the stars, count the stars with me. And he reaffirms his promise Mm. to Abraham, because Abraham's like, look, there's not an heir. I don't know what's going on. And God affirms the promise. And it says, Abraham believes, and God counted it to him as righteousness. One of the like most foundational salvation verses in the Bible. It is by faith that we're saved, mm-hmm. that we're counted as righteous. And there it is. Now, you flip the page to Genesis 16, and we find out it's been 10 years. We know it's total 25 years. Okay. Abraham and Sarah do not know. You know, they're living the story. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it's been 10 years, and Sarah begins to worry and said, we're, you know, essentially, we're not going to have an heir. And there's a cultural practice at, at that time where you could procreate with another woman, and it would still count as your heir for your possessions and all that And so Sarah is essentially saying, let's do it that way. So we get tired of waiting. We're trying to find our own way, essentially. After 10 years, Abraham was 75. Now he's 85. We can feel like that anxiety of trying to figure this out on our own. I've had friends who have struggled with infertility. Yes. And have gone down that road. And I don't know what that's like personally, Mm -hmm. but they've shared some of that. And man... Really hard. Very difficult. And, and 10 years, 25 years. Like, I mean, yes. when you're talking about those lengths of time. It's easy, like you said, when you're reading a story for years to go by in a, in a sentence or two, maybe you go like, really? The God of the universe like showed up and told <laughs> yeah. you he was going to do this. Yeah. And now you're getting impatient. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe we have a little more empathy for, yeah, for where Abraham and Sarah are at when we start to actually think about what Mm. that would be like to wait that amount Mm. of time. And certainly their age uh, would play a role in that as well. But also like before they're this age, I'm sure they had tried and tried and tried. Mm. And so that can be really excruciating. And then for God to make this promise and for you to have like a shred of hope and then time keeps on ticking. So culturally, there's this appropriate way to continue to have an heir for Abraham. And so that's where Hagar comes in. Uh, she's the, the servant and becomes pregnant, and Ishmael comes. So you have Hagar, the mother, and Ishmael, the son. So Sarah was the one who brought this to Abraham, mm-hmm. and now Ishmael is born, and Sarah looks at Hagar and hates her, mm-hmm. just resents her. There's probably a lot of years of pain 
right. that went into that resentment yeah. and that pointed at Hagar and Ishmael. And that's where we get these couple few episodes, really painful episodes of Abraham and Sarah's story that include Hagar and Ishmael. What happens is Sarah starts to really mistreat Hagar. And that word mistreat is really severe. It's really um, an emotional mistreatment. Mm. So being harsh, being, you know, to the point where Hagar actually flees to the wilderness. So she runs away into the wilderness. And listen, like in that part of the world, the wilderness is the wilderness. Like <laughs> at this time, right? Like where it's not are you just running going out to and, and camping? No, by the river, <laughs> by yourself. Yeah. Um, in, in other words, she's almost saying like, "I may die." Yes, I and, would rather die, and that might be better. Yes, and that's a lot of what's going into. Uh, this. That definitely uncovers some of the kind of like almost like euphemistic kind mm-hmm. of feeling of the word mistreat. Because again, that that feels very understated, right. like in yeah. our language. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. But her choice here definitely like helps make that clear. And we we can mention that word oppress. Mm. It was oppression, yeah, for sure. And she she runs to the wilderness for someone who had done nothing wrong. No, up she to this is, point, by she, the way, as a servant was doing what she was asked to do. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it was an honor to be able to do that for your masters in that in that time. But this all turns into hatred and mm. hurt. And then something really really wonderful and surprising Mm -hmm. and notable occurs. Hagar flees into the wilderness and has an encounter with God. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you can help kind of contextualize this for us, but we have seen examples already in Genesis up to this point of God having very kind of direct interactions Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. with humanity, but specifically with men most Mm -hmm. of the time, and certainly to the original audience of this book, you would, I think, have an expectation that if God is going to interact with Mm -hmm. humans, that he would probably do so through men. Right, Right. Something like God's covenant with Abraham is amazing and incredible and and wondrous in its own way. But this is the master of a household, Mm -hmm. right? From all accounts, like a pretty grand household. Yes. You know, this is a man who has wealth and power Mm -hmm. for his day and age. And now we're talking about a servant girl Mm -hmm. who ran away Mm -hmm. and God is going to have an encounter with this servant girl. That seems pretty remarkable to me. It is remarkable. And again, if we're looking into the story, God, what are you like? I really like that he shows up (laughs) in this way to this oppressed woman in the wilderness. She finds a spring of water. I can't help but Think of John 4, the woman at the well. Yeah. There are so many connection points to this Mm, story. mm -hmm. And we can just remember in that episode how Jesus interacted with the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. It was shocking and all that. The same kind of stuff is here. Yeah. First century Jews at that time is one thing, but you're talking about the books of Moses way, way back in the Mm -hmm. day, you know. So this would be absolutely stunning and astounding. The text says that the Lord found her. He actually took the initiative. So it's less that she has an encounter with God, God has an encounter with her. Right. Which for someone who's oppressed is that much more meaningful, I right, think. Right, yeah. I, he, he sought her out, he found her in the place that she had run away and I'm sure was at her wit's end out in the wilderness. And then he asked her a question, which is a very simple but very deep, deep story question. As a counselor, this is really good stuff. <laughs> okay. You could do a whole study on God and the questions he asked, yeah. but we'll leave that for another time. Okay. Where have you come from and where are you going? Mm. 
for her to answer that question, who knows what that interaction was like. Yeah. But the fact that God would find her and say, where have you come from? What happened? Where are you heading now? It seems so bleak. It's, it's very evocative uh, yeah. of Eve, by the way. I feel yeah, like that's same, what it makes yes. me think of because uh-huh. he asks Eve a very similar question mm-hmm. like, Where are you? Where are you? Right? Yes. And what an interesting question for an omnipresent God to ask. Yeah, he's doing right? it on like, purpose. It's yeah. clearly not a, a need for knowledge that You're is right. driving that question. <laughs> There's something deeper going yeah. on there. You could say it's almost therapeutic, really. Mm-hmm. And Tell me about your story. Yes. Right. But then there's also wisdom. Return to your mistress and serve her. The reality is, where else could she go? And it's a very, very difficult situation. But as far as sustenance, and now that she's conceived a child, there's a child within her to take care of. And so she returns, and God says, you will bear a son named Ishmael. And Ishmael means God hears, which is beautiful again, because that's what he's doing. Right. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Mm. So he found her, he heard her story, he listened to her affliction, he says, you're going to have a son, his name is going to be God Hears. And she responds seemingly out of gratitude yes. and, and praise, essentially, and obedience. Yeah, the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, it's just like, come see the one who's told me my story. And Hagar says a similar thing, you are the Lord who sees me, you're the one who looks after me. What a amazing, compassionate encounter that God has yeah. with Hagar here. Well, I would love to say then she returns back to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah makes a grand apology yeah. and everybody lives happily ever that's after. Right. <laughs> but life is more complicated, isn't it? Is. It is. Yeah. But I think that's one of the interesting things as we read scripture that we don't often get endings like that no, to stories. No. And it's been something that people who are involved in like apologetics and things like that often talk about. You know, if, if scripture was simply crafted to deceive people mm-hmm. or to create a religion out of something that wasn't really true, the authors of the biblical text did a relatively poor job of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because instead of ending these stories with, and then God shows up on the scene and talks yes, to her and then yeah. everything goes great from that point forward. Yeah. No, like life is a little more messy than that, like yeah. you said, and that's that's reflected in the story. Yeah, it's just so honest. We are in a mess, we've made a mess, and what does it look like for God to intervene? Even in some of maybe our family situations and situations in relationships, it's just like God meets us, He helps us, He looks after us, and we return. And yeah, it's not happily ever after yet, (laughs) right? Right. And the same is true with this story. So you have 17 through 19 where God confirms his promise. Isaac is born miraculously. His name means laughter, which is interesting because both Abraham and Sarah at different points laughed in disbelief. Like they're just like, whatever, God. Right. (laughs) And so God said, his name's going to be laughter, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But here's something else it's like a dark turn again. This. You know, Bible stories are hard. Yeah. (laughs) They're deeper and richer than we can imagine, but also you have to really look at them and face them. And this is another hard turn. Hagar is laughing at this celebration, and Sarah sees her and hates her all over again. Mm. So I don't know what happened in between Hagar's return and this, but it it seems like maybe something has subsided a little bit. Or at least been pushed to the back of the mind or something. Um, Yeah, maybe. But at this point, Ishmael would have been 15 years old. So when you think of the dynamic of heirs, who's going to be heir to Abraham? Well, it's been promised to Isaac... That's the way God wanted to do it, not through this kind of uh, loophole, cultural loophole, right? (laughs) Right. 
And yet here is Ishmael, 15 years old. And so in some ways, maybe it could feel threatening to that a bit. I kind of put myself in Sarah's shoes here and think in some ways, Hagar and Ishmael could kind of be like a testament to my faithlessness Hmm, for 15 years now. Right. Right. When I look over there and I see them, I think of my failure, essentially, Mm -hmm. my lack of trust in God and his ability to Mm -hmm. fulfill his promise. Mm -hmm. I decided, hey, maybe we need to try it this other way. And then even after the promise has been fulfilled, there's still this reminder that's with our family that tells me, hey, remember that time that you didn't trust and Mm -hmm. that you went your own way? Like, Mm -hmm. here's a living testament to that. Right. I could see how that could potentially prompt some bitterness and some some anger and some hostility. Yeah. So what happens is Sarah puts pressure on Abraham, essentially send away Hagar and Ishmael with some bread and water back out into the wilderness. And by the way, I do just want to say here, like this might be reading into the text a little Mm -hmm. bit. It doesn't say a lot about this. I I don't think that I can recall, but I don't think we should necessarily like cast Sarah as the only villain in the story, right? I mean, like Abraham, at the very least, we don't get any evidence that Abraham is trying to really do mm. much to resolve At this, this culture and this time period <laughs> nothing happens without abraham like that's right. just the way the society works <laughs> right so he bears a lot of the yes. responsibility here it ultimate could, responsibility right it yeah. could sound like we're just saying oh sarah was cruel she was mm-hmm. the one that you know it's all her fault and abraham was just kind of the the innocent bystander for the yeah. whole thing to your point he takes on a lot more responsibility mm-hmm. for what's happening in his household yeah i would than say that would make it sound you know like, guilty bystander and it's the same pattern in adam and eve mm-hmm. eve is deceived and all these different things and then it's like so she gives the fruit to adam who was with her right the whole time yeah and he was just silent right there <laughs> and so it's the same kind of bystander thing it's just yeah. like no there there could have been intervention there's a responsibility on abraham's part in right. this story you're really also participating yes, absolutely like, bystander might even undersell yeah. it so and he's yeah. the one that decides and gives of all things i mean of all of his possessions some bread and some water and right. go to the wilderness yeah that, you go again. That could have been a lot <laughs> different, you know, send off with right. a lot more stuff. So mm-hmm. this is just not a good uh, situation. They get to the point, really, to the point of death in the wilderness, and Hagar cries out and just weeps to God. I mean, can you imagine this is her second time basically yes. at this point in yeah. her life? And then to have heard from God that first time yes. and to respond in gratitude and go, okay, like God sees me. He looks after me. And then this like whole cycle almost feels like it repeats itself and she's mm-hmm. right back where she was. Mm-hmm. How discouraging yes. that must have been. There's some connection here. It's almost like this is her test with Ishmael, the same way in the next chapter, Abraham will be tested mm. with Isaac and yeah. offering him up. I said a sequel earlier, maybe a prequel. Prequel. Who knows the, what's uh, going the on? There's a lot of here. layers yeah. to this story. <laughs> she puts Ishmael kind of far off because she cannot bear to look and watch him die. That's the dire straits that they're in. And she mm. weeps and cries out to God. It's so interesting. Every little detail matters, but God hears the voice of the boy. So she's crying and weeping, Mm -hmm. and he hears Ishmael, and then he addresses Hagar, which I think that's the mother's heart. Mm. That is what you long for, is not mainly for yourself, but for the son, for Ishmael. You heard his voice. Mm. He says, fear not, 
God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Lift up the boy, get up, hold him fast with your hand. I will make him a great nation, just like he promised before. Yeah, big promise. Yes, same thing with Abraham, great nation. Yeah. Great nation over here, great nation over here. God opens her eyes and she sees a well of water. There's a well, they're not going to die. They're going to be able to continue on. And it, and the story kind of has like a postlude, if you will. Ishmael grows up. He becomes great with the bow. And then from him come 12 princes. Not just heirs, princes, so leaders come from Ishmael. It's really uh, remarkable how God tends to Hagar and Ishmael that were really cast off right. by his chosen ones. <laughs> yeah. You know, so again, not the story you would think going into it. No, he doubles up on his promise. He sees the oppression. And he says, I'm going to make a nation of you, too. Wow. It's really fascinating. And I want to go back to some of these points we talked about at the start of the episode. Mm-hmm. One of those being the conflict between Palestine and yes, Israel yeah. that's going on right now in the Middle East. Some people look to this story about Hagar and Ishmael and they go, okay, this is kind of a an origin story a little mm-hmm, bit about mm-hmm. kind of where some of the conflict in the Middle East comes from, mm-hmm. the religious background of mm-hmm. that conflict. But I think one thing that tends to happen is we oftentimes try to make things in the world very binary, black and white, mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and evil, because mm-hmm. it helps us to understand the world and what's going on around us. Right. And so when we look at, you know, like a big geopolitical conflict, we go, well, this is the good guy side and that's the bad guy side. And in some cases, that's pretty clear. And in other cases, it's less clear. But we really like movies about World War II or things where we can go shoot a bunch of Nazis and feel really good about it because everyone knows that those are the bad guys, Mm -hmm. right? There's this tendency or this idea to say, all right, well, Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, like this is the chosen nation of God. This is, you know, Father Abraham. Mm -hmm. He's the chosen one. So that makes this the good side. Mm -hmm. If we're using Star Wars analogies, like, you know, these are the good guys. (laughs) And then the evil empire is the the Mm -hmm. dudes on the other side, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, what happened to Hagar was was sad and and feels a little weird. But ultimately, this is kind of like a sidebar Mm -hmm. to the the main event. Mm -hmm. And yet... When you actually just read what God says to Hagar and to Ishmael, he doesn't say, Abraham and and Isaac, these are my like special chosen people. And you also, I guess, can live, right? (laughs) Right? Like there's, it's so much more abundant than that. Like I'm going to make you into a great nation. Like I hear you. Mm -hmm. Here's a well of water. Mm -hmm. Like I I care for you. I think it would be really easy to undersell God's promises Mm -hmm. to to Hagar and Ishmael and and his response to Mm -hmm. them as just kind of a like offhanded, like mm-hmm. afterthought act, but it doesn't come off that way to me when I, when I actually sit down and read the story. God blesses them both. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, I of course believe that the Messiah, the offspring, the blessing comes through the Jewish people, mm-hmm. through Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Messiah, crucified, buried, risen, you know, on the right. third day, all of that. Yes. And guess who that blessing is for? everyone all the nations like that's to <laughs> right. abraham like you will be blessed yeah and from we'll be a, you comes a blessing to, to everyone. all the nations yeah, yeah and so the word abundant is so apt mm. because it's like there's a lot of blessing going around right <laughs> it's even in the midst of this mistreating others and god is blessing and intervening redemptively through all those things and in this story are the seeds of salvation for the whole world for all time. Mm. A couple thousand years ago. Wait, 
4,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, eventually, this family is going to be stitched back together. Yes, absolutely. Um, which is a beautiful thing. And I think this applies too to, we were talking about women and how mm. they've been treated mm-hmm. by Christians and in scripture. And this is just another example of many, many examples of a woman being oppressed mm-hmm. in a way that's extremely unfair. Yes. The power dynamic is extremely imbalanced. Yes. And Hagar, through no real fault of her own, Mm-hmm. ends up in some really harsh, hard, terrible mm-hmm. circumstances. Mm-hmm. But again, we see God hearing yes. and responding Looking with after. An, an abundance of love mm-hmm. and care. And so whether you want to look at it through that lens of the oppression of women, through the lens of the Arabic Jewish nations conflict and conflict, or, yeah, struggle. it seems to me like the real thrust of the story is like, God sees, mm-hmm. and God hears, mm-hmm. and God finds. I keep on coming back to our heaven episode again and again, because yeah. I'm just like, men and women will be restored to our mm-hmm. rightful place one day. Mm-hmm. Every tribe, tongue, and nation will be restored one right. day. And God is blessing until that comes to fruition. And I really look forward to that. And I'm glad I get to be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I would love to hug Hagar and Ishmael's neck, which mm. I'm sure I will, and hear more of the story one day. Yeah, know? that's beautiful. And I don't think we have to gloss over the fact that there is mistreatment of people. No, right? Yes. Including it's in the story for a reason. Including by Christians. Yes. Including by the, the father of, yes, of this right religion. Here. Mistreating. We do others. not turn a blind eye to truth. Right. We we acknowledge yeah. it. Like we look it square in the face and we go like. God can redeem that too. Even that. Thanks for listening to Faith Refresh. You can find more Real FM pods and tons of other cool stuff on the Real FM app and at real.fm. Faith Refresh is hosted by Justin Rusinowski and I'm Anson Beyer. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on your platform of choice. It will help others to discover the podcast and listen for themselves. Faith Refresh is a part of the Real FM Podcast Network, a ministry of John Brown University.